welcome back it's to the, the Macaw Podcast of the, of the Universe, Volume two. two. Um, we are doing probably our favorite movie of the entire all universe time. of Marvel. All time. All, no, this is your favorite my, movie it's, of all it's time. Probably, if if I had to sit down and do it, it uh-huh. might be in my top ten of all time. Really? Okay. I th- that I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. This is I'm a great thinking movie. About, thinking about that lately. Well, you know, there's the weird like, so when you sit down to be like, what are the, there's the best movies ever made, you know, like your Godfathers. And then there's like your favorite movies, which could range from, it, it could, your favorite movie could be something trash be and you even know it. It could be Shrek. And you know what? Not a bad decision. No, but, um, uh, uh, but, but this one kind of gets into that category for me too, or where I go, okay, you, even if someone does, I, I'm not going to argue that it's the best movie ever made. I will argue that it's, it's one of the best Marvels, like by a long shot. I mean, this is a plus Marvel material. It's right up there with Endgame, and, uh, well, pro- just, it's... probably sandwich it between Endgame and, um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, like, it's it's up to that caliber. It's characters, it's story, really cool visual it's effects. It's funny. It's got action. It's got heart. It's got emotions. But yeah. I mean, it's got everything you want in a movie. Yeah. And uh it's got a great soundtrack. Mhm. Um which speaking of the soundtrack, just to jump ahead because this is Guardians. I mean, come on. We got to do whatever our heart feels. Um I remember when we saw this movie, um, and we saw it in theaters. We were engaged at this point. We saw it with my dad, my sister, and my brother because this is one of the biggest Martinez family movies of all time. And I know I said this when we did the Guardians episode. So I saw Guardians at that Brookings Theater, which is like a sacred theater to me. Yes. So a part of that, the reason is because I've been with family. Yeah. So it's like, well, I got to experience this next movie as with my family. And yeah. when the third one comes out, it's yeah. a family movie. Although, are we going to be able to wait until all of our schedules align? I would. I would make that sacrifice for them. You would? Okay. Yeah. I'll Apparently, prob- it's a Martinez family movie, too, now. It. I-T. Yeah. The movie. The movie yeah. It. Um. So, uh, but yes, we were watching the movie, and I remember thinking when the soundtrack was going, because the first movie, like most of the songs that played, I was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And this one kind of has a different effect. It was a lot of music I'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. And now they're they're complete bangers, and they're like 100% grade A songs. And they've made a lot of money for the bands. Yes. Um, I know that Southern Nights, I don't think that that was a big Glenn, Glenn Campbell hit. Um, and it's probably I, huge now. And now on Spotify, it's his number one. Oh, wow. So... Um, I'm pretty sure. I would have yeah. to double check that, but um this, this movie also because I liked the first movie so much, when I went into theaters to see this volume 2, to me I I said this several times and it was like the movie's already good. And I yeah. haven't even seen it yet. Yeah. That's how and it's like it's a it's very like, very biased opinion. No, but we can say it, like Guardians 3 is great. I yeah. love Guardians 3. Yeah. It's so good. Yep. Um but anyway, all of this to say, like, the first soundtrack of Guardians 1 was very, uh, it was just very recognizable and mm-hmm. a lot of really famous songs. And this one, I'm sure a lot of these songs were chart toppers and stuff like that, but I don't think they've really stood the test of time. Yeah. And then this movie comes out, and 
And the first time I watched it, I was slightly, just very slightly like, oh, I wish more of the songs I knew. I wouldn't even say I was disappointed in the movie or anything like that, but I was like, oh, I wish I knew those songs. But now when I watch the movie, I'm, I know the song so well. And yeah. now, now those songs have like a really special place to me. Yeah. So it's actually really cool. It's like, it, it is like taking those songs and putting them number one on Spotify. Like yeah. it just makes them these huge songs. I mean, this, this is what got me into ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. That, that first song, um, what is that song called? The first song on the on the oh, uh, Blue, um, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, I would say the my I, what I think is the best place song in the movie is when they go to Ego's Planet for the first time and that George Harrison song's mm-hmm. playing. I forget what it's called. Um, but it's a it's I mean it's about God, but yeah, it's about gods. It's like, about George Harrison of, like trying to find all a of God. Jesus, Vishnu, all of them, yeah. and it's just so beautiful, and it's yeah. like. This is perfect. This is perfect part for a movie. <laughs> Although the the best the best uh, thematic song you got to go Brandy. Yeah. Oh. Which that one on, that one on. of course I knew. Yeah. But um, oh, I actually didn't know that one. You didn't know that one? No, I've never oh, that heard was, that song. I, I was to- every time that was on the radio. That I was like, like, oh, turn it up. Because to song. like you saying the first time you saw it, part there was a small part of you that was like, man, I kind of wish I knew these more. Mm-hmm. For me, seeing it for the first time and really liking all of the songs that they put in there, it's like, like cool new yeah. soundtrack to download and listen to of songs I've never heard of before. Yeah. Well, I remember um, Baby Driver came out the same year, and um, that's such a soundtrack-heavy movie as well. And I remember that one, too. I was kind of like, I wish I... I didn't know hardly any of the songs, and I was like... I didn't listen to that soundtrack. Oh, it's good. Then seeing the movie. But I I was just like, I kind of wish that I knew these more. And then I watched it a second time, and I was like, oh, these songs are so cool. Do we own that movie? No. Okay. But I saw it twice in theaters. Can't watch it anymore. I loved it. We can't watch. Oh, because of Kevin Spacey. Yeah, we can still watch it. Movie's that was canceled. Uh, but John Hamm's in it, so we can watch it. John Hamm and um, Jamie Fox and uh, uh, right? what? Well, who directed Edgar Wright? Yeah, it's an Edgar Wright movie. Come on, it's such a good one. Okay, Guardians Two. It's written and directed by the one, the only James Gunn. He wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy One. He's gonna write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Hopefully four. I mean, sorry, th- uh, three. He's gonna do. Um, hopefully, he's gonna write and direct volume four. Hopefully, he's gonna write and direct volume five, and hopefully six. And then maybe they'll round out, round it out with a perfect seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's produced by Kevin Feige. We got music by Tyler Bates, who did um, Guardians One. So see our Guardians One pod if you want to have a deeper dive on Tyler Bates. Cinematography, Henry Brom, who did Legend of Tarzan, The Golden Compass, and Flyboys. What's Flyboys? That is a James Franco movie. I think about World War I pilots, maybe World War II. Um, production company, Marvel Studios, distributed Walt Disney. I think I'm out on James Franco. You think so? Yeah. Well, I, I he's just, he done did a some bad thing. weird things. Didn't he? Well, one of it is uh, great. He's a great actor. Not, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to take away his uh, um, ability, yeah. his acting ability. I also think he's he. he I what, I'm not going to get into that because I don't know that much about it. But um, seeing that trailer of that show that he's in about the porn industry and just like, and I know he's acting. I know, I know, I know. But it's just like, oh, that's scummy. Oh, okay. Like that's got a weird I taste in my seen mouth it, from so that. I don't know. And then just hearing a lot of his personal life stuff in the last year or two, yeah, it's just like, oh, some... that's scummier. That's not great. And 
he's someone he's someone that I would not feel comfortable on this podcast that that I hopefully by now millions of people listen to. Um, <laughs> I would not feel comfortable endorsing James Franco oh. because of things he's done in his personal life. I haven't I haven't uh, looked into a lot of it, and part of that is my bad on my part. Like I just don't really want to because I like some of his movies, but. He also is in some movies that kind of suck. So yeah, true story. Um, the movie Literally, true the story. Movie, true story. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Didn't really like it that you much. You told me it wasn't good, so I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, you know who I'm pro though. Who? Dave Franco. His yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah. Who's married to Allison Brie? Yeah. And we love what Allison Brie. This is a good pro Allison Brie podcast. Yes. Um, I wonder when she's gonna go get into the Marvel universe. Just a matter of time. I think she's too busy wrestling or you something. Know, because of the show Glow on Netflix. We should make a couple of predictions. We should uh, choose like three actors and guess what year they are going to be in a Marvel That's so movie. hard. Because That's so specific. Brie Larson, I'm going to say 2022. And, and we'll be able to reference back to this. That's the best part because it'll be on this podcast, which you can rate, you can review, you can subscribe to show and tell your friends um we like to discuss movies with okay, you well sweet pass it oh okay okay um so the i think brie larson will be in a marvel movie by 2022 you have any thoughts or guesses no okay well i, I just that's, i just can't think of james franco will be i'm just kidding <laughs> well dave franco i don't know hmm i don't he's think he's gonna a, be in one he been in a animated movie recently he was in the lego ninjago movie that's what it is oh yeah he's 2023 so it'll be brie in 2022 and it'll be Micah, dave in 2023 do you know anything about the hollywood industry it's always the man first it's gonna be dave and then allison no she she's got it i'm just kidding she'll be in Cap- well not really oh it's here's another true. one here's another one what movie are they gonna be in he's she's gonna be in uh captain marvel too that'll be where she makes her uh, first appearance I can imagine her and Brie Larson in a movie together. Two Brie's. Too much cheese, baby. (laughs) But actually, I don't think that movie comes out in 2022. She's going to be in Captain Marvel 2. Okay. That's my final answer. You put up three fingers for that. Captain Marvel 3. Now four. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, That was so stupid. Is anyone still listening? (laughs) Uh, This came out May 5th, 2017. Uh, box office, it makes $389,813,101. And I, uh, worldwide, it makes $863,756,051. And one thing mm-hmm. I would like to mention, that is such a big number. That's so great. What's kind of nuts, though, is I looked up, um, or I was editing our Shrek 2 episode, and that movie made... Over nine hundred million dollars. That and movie almost this? made Wait, a billion, so and what? so this movie, this movie made um in the eight hundred thousands, high eight hundred. It was Shrek Two, you said. Yeah, Shrek Two oh, made wow. over nine hundred. So Shrek Two is a better sequel on paper. I guess you could say so. Interesting. Um, it is a pretty good sequel. It is. It is. I listened to our episode. Um, I'm trying to look up the box office here because I forgot to. Not the box office, but the production budget. Um, do you do you have anything you can th- uh, throw along while we're while I'm trying to pull this up? Um, this movie is really colorful, both 
Uh, wait, wait. Did, have you looked any actors up or anything? Did you not? <laughs> There's like Jordan. two people to look up. Micah, when am I? Can I just have a moment to myself in the day? No. Is that so much to ask? No, you cannot. No, I didn't look anything up. It's Kurt Russell. Everyone knows who Kurt Russell is. Yeah, He's in the thing. That's true. He is in the thing. I was going to look it up, though, as we were talking. Oh, I see. So, okay, budget. Uh, oh, yeah, Kurt Russell's like John Carpenter's man. Oh, yeah. Who did, John Carpenter did the thing, listener. Yes. Also, he's in The Hateful Eight, and he does wonderfully. And then, I mean, it's just like, take your pick. He apparently is in a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, The Fate of the Furious? And Furious 7. Oh, okay. I remember he was, he, I think he was filming at the same time. Budget of this movie, 200 million. I got it now. Okay. Oh. Dang, that's a lot of money it made. Yeah. So it, he's also in Death Proof, which is um, Quentin Tarantino's B movie. You would cons- like, mm-hmm. that's his B movie. Um, he's and, been in three Tarantinos now. So it's Death Proof, Hateful Eight, and, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, right. He's so good. He's in Vanilla Sky, Forrest Gump. So there you have it. That's Kurt Russell. He's in Forrest Gump? Yeah, he is. Elvis Presley. Oh, and he plays in a movie as Elvis Presley, directed by John Carpenter. So that's kind of interesting. He does. Yep. What movie? It's called uh, Elvis, I think. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm oh. not. Don't give me that look. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> um, and then I was gonna look up Palm. Floating Palm Clementief, who plays Mantis. Mantis. Um, she's pretty outstanding in this movie. I was going to say that she's pretty. She is pretty, too. I'm looking at her IMDb right now. But, I mean, she's pretty she outstanding. She's incredible. She's in the remake of Old Boy. Okay. Um, she's in an episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Interesting. Um, but before this movie, she's in Ingrid Goes West, which is that Aubrey Plaza movie. Yeah. I never saw that. Um, and then... She's in a movie called Porn in the Hood. Ooh, I don't want to see that. No. Seems like she's in a ton of indie movies. And she is from... She's French. She's French? Yeah. Interesting. So a lot of French indie movies. Cool. And then... I mean, it's like Sylvester Stallone's in it, but it's pretty much a cameo. He's Rocky. Yeah, we don't have to... Okay, he's Rocky. And this would be after Creed came out, I believe. So he's kind of back into the zeitgeist of like, you know, maybe our generation would recognize him a little more. I don't know. Well, of course, if you're watching Creed, you've seen Rocky. So everybody knows who Sylvester Stallone is. What are you laughing okay, about? Okay, what I really wanted to do, and I just, part of it was time. Part of it was just like, can I just have a moment of my day no, where and I'm not I, looking and we, up something? I already said no. But what I really wanted to do was look up just the Ravagers. Mm-hmm. And just do their acting credits because oh, they like yeah. steal the show. They d- they do do very well. Hazerface is a main character in the show. This is us. Really? Is that crazy or what? Also, he's a big guy. Whoa! Well, that is that a <laughs> is he wearing something extra there to make him look that large? Oh, I hate to say that, but well, if I had done my research, it looked, probably could have answered that. It looked a little disproportional, is all. Um. But I don't know if I talked. We talked about Sean Gunn in the last one, James Gunn's brother. Okay. Yeah, because he did. Um, 
I don't know that we talked about his acting credits, but he's the stand-in for Rocket. So we were, we talked about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to look up this guy, but I'll just look him up later because I'm sure he's not in anything. And then I was also should have looked up um, the Gold Queen. Oh yeah, whose oh, name wow. is Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah. Um, she's in uh, Widows, which came out after this. I know. Is is she in anything before? Yeah, she's in The Great Gatsby, which I actually do remember. She plays Jordan Baker. Okay. I don't know if I remember that character from the book, but no, I don't. She's like one of the main characters. Well, like side. Oh, you know, I do character. actually kind of remember her. Um, she's also in Peter Rabbit, and Uh-oh. then she's in Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Makes sense. And so many planets in that city. She's in the movie Everest, Man from Uncle, oh. Macbeth. Oh, dang. She's had a nice she's, run. Oh, The Great Gatsby is only her second acting credit, though. That's crazy. Her first movie was A Few Best Men, which is a looks to be a Rebel Wilson movie. A Few Best Men. Okay. So, and she is Polish. She's and Polish. No, she was born in Paris to a Polish father and an Australian mother of Irish descent. Hmm. Is that confusing or what? Or what? No, it is confusing. So, well, that's my job. <laughs> so James Gunn uh, explained his relationship to Marvel, which, uh, so if you remember, um, we had Ant-Man trouble with directors, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. We had uh, uh, Age of Ultron, Josh Whedon leaves Marvel. So he explains his relationship with the company, and this was at the time of Guardians 2, and he said, quote, they let me go and do my thing, and I truly listen to their notes and ideas. I've never been told to put in any character or plot element at all. When they trust you, they give you a wide berth. We just fit. So he has a good. He had a good working experience with them. Yeah. And then. Well, they screwed him. <laughs> which uh, I think I'll just save for the Guardians three episode when that happens. Um, originally, Adam Warlock was a major player in story, but it would. It wound up cluttering up story. So Gunn said that he liked what he did, but it was just too many characters and he didn't want to lose Mantis as an additional character. Oh, interesting. And I actually feel like this movie has so much going on. So I can't imagine what more they could have going on. That's why he cut it. So um but Adam Warlock is the he's a supervillain, um, and he's the person that's created at the end credit sequence when she says, I created Adam. Oh, okay. And here's the funny thing is um so he wanted to put that scene in the movie that back that edit, that credit scene and Marvel was like uh I don't think I don't think so and he and and they he had to clarify on social media that Adam would not be an Avengers because Marvel was concerned that people would be expecting him in the movie because apparently he, um, let's see, in the comic books, War Warlock is one of Thanos' adversaries. Oh. What makes this credit, credit scene such an OMG moment for comic book fans is that Warlock plays a big role in the battle against Thanos in the comic book event, the, the Infinity Gauntlet. Against him? Yeah. Oh. In that series, Thanos assembles all the Infinity Gems and threatens to destroy the universe, and the Infinity Gauntlet is essentially comic book source material for Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. So was it mostly just a nod to fans? Well, I think he's setting up what he would like to do in a future movie. Okay, but he just had to specify that it was not. He had to Endgame. just he just had to tell people on social media like he's not going to be in the Avengers movies cuz okay. people were expecting that. Um and then the so Peter Quill's father and Yondu's backstory were um he had a lot of that written before 
they filmed Guardians One. So he had like the not necessarily really? not necessarily like the um the lines or anything, but he had the that idea of of like Ego's his father, um, and Yondu kept him for these purposes to keep him away from the slave trade oh, thing, all cool. of that stuff. So which makes sense because then remember how we mentioned in Guardians One, there's a lot of like Easter eggs that don't pay off yet, but they also aren't like too distracting. Yeah. Um and then this is this is so funny to me. So he wanted to use an alien race called Sneepers, which is um, in like some comic books, but Marvel advised against it because it was cl- too close to the word S-N-I-P-U-R, which is Icelandic for clitoris. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. So um, they didn't make the cut. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, and then with the upgrade in technology, uh, special effects, they rebuilt Rocket from the ground up. Oh, crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, and there, there, a few of these things are actually just pulled right from Wikipedia. Um, the prop department also made edible props for certain scenes. A prop of stink bug inspired insects was made from chocolate and injected with black honey so it could be eaten on screen. And when he bit down, the honey poured out of his mouth. Who? I'm not sure. I think I feel like Groot did that. Like ate that bug at the beginning. I can't think of another that bug that was eaten. But and I don't think he ate it. Anyway, it's just interesting practical stuff that they were doing uh-huh. on set. Um, similarly, a yarrow root, which is uh, what uh, Nebula bites into, was designed based on enlarged images of pollen, and then created. Oh, cool! Yeah, and then created with non-dairy white chocolate. Cool. So she's just biting into chocolate when she does that. Um, and then I know we're not there yet, but, um, the Sylvester Stallone team that, that, um, organizes itself at the end of the movie, it's just, those are just a bunch of important guardian characters throughout the years of the comic book. That one's just a nod. I, I mean, I suppose they could do something with it, but, um, it's, uh, I, I get, that's all I could find out. Okay. So. I imagine, to me, that one's just like a, a fun Easter egg for, for fans. Yeah. And Miley Cyrus voices that mm-hmm. little robot thing, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to jump into the plot now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so movie starts. It says Earth uh, 30... Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it says the year. It's a... Uh, or it says Missouri. Missouri. Big font. And you hear... And you see two young people, but not just young people, young Kurt Doug, Russell. Kurt Russell. <laughs> um and Quill Peter Quill's mom in the car couldn't be happier, just singing to the song, driving down the highway in Missouri and, and they, they the de-aged him. And he looks really good. It looks really good. Because you brought up a good an interesting thing about the whole de-aging thing. Because they're not just de-aging, like, like we all know what Kurt Russell looks like as a young person. Yeah. Um, it's if it's not just like Kurt Russell got famous in his fifties, and now they're de-aging him, and it's like, yeah, like it's that the same wouldn't with... really be a, a like a a visual noticeable feat to yeah. you and me, or to the audience. But since we know what young Kurt Russell looks like, and they did that, it's like. Dang, that's 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 yeah. Well, they have like it's the same with um Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel. 
Like, yep. like they have to go, what did he look like in the 90s? And I don't know if this... There's ha- more pressure on it. Yes, I think, one, there's more pressure. I don't know. Maybe as a VFX artist, it's actually easier because you know, like, how to make the person look. Um, I would imagine it would make it tougher, though. Because, like, if they just wanted to de-age our dads or something like that in a movie, as long as it didn't look weird, who cares? Because they well, don't I, have I to, like, too, make it I, look a certain way. I said this when we were watching it, that I think a lot of it's makeup, too. Yeah, they, there's definitely some makeup going on. They probably get it as good and, and like, as his face lifted and young looking as possible and mm-hmm. then and then they then it, I, the I wonder if the touch-ups aren't that crazy because i bet there's a lot of makeup well with both of those men maybe because they're both aging very well yeah they are <laughs> although sam jackson i mean it's a pretty noticeable difference did those vfx guys do a episode on it I think they did one on uh yeah on sam jackson uh, i i don't remember for sure though yeah um so it starts there. They pull into a Dairy Queen, which there's some weird product placement with Dairy Queen. That's like, come on. Yeah. Um, and then they go into like the wilderness and you see this weird little like root thing that looks totally real. Like I think they, they had to have made that thing and then yeah. just like put a little, a little like CGI lights on it or something. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of cool because you can actually like touch it. Like I feel like you could grab it or put it in your house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just, she, mentions that he's a man from the stars and stuff like that and i mean he and she wants he takes her because he wants to show her this thing mm-hmm. and he i mean he doesn't really say what it is well, he says like i i it took to the soil and one day it'll yeah and she's like i don't know what you're saying but i like the way you say it yeah is pretty much what she says and then yeah they, they kiss and then it goes to present day mm-hmm. it says 34 years later yes and then we're getting to the best scene in any Marvel movie of the cinematic universe. It's the best. It is the absolute best, best. But before we get right to that exact scene, we see our guardians. They're on a space station and you know, there's some fun no, banter. They're on a planet. Or, or yes, they're What's on the planet called. Uh, I don't remember. It's sovereign. Sovereign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you find out that there's this alien that's trying to eat these batteries. Yeah. That are they, there. They've been hired to protect, to kill the alien and protect the batteries. Yeah. So they're, they're doing their thing. And all the while Rocket's working on, <laughs> he's working on putting together a speaker. And they're so just, they can all listen of them to are music. fighting about everything. And yeah. It's just, it's just, a perfect intro back into these characters. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's just a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And it, it all comes around to rocket like what are you doing and he's like well i'm trying to get this to work so we can listen to music while we work that's not important right now yeah and then he's like blaming quill it's like well peter wants the music it's so important to him and so it's just it's just so such great chemistry with all of them yeah and And we're reminded immediately yes and then the 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 dimensional sea monkey comes out it's shooting like rainbows out of its mouth Oh, the sea monkey well, they call it a sea monkey. And oh. on, when I paused the thing, it, the scene was called Sea Monkeys and Guardians or something like that. Okay. Um, but Rocket just calls him that. Okay. Um, but they're flying around. They start fighting. And it goes to Groot. And he he has some trouble. But not only... It's not just that. It's like... <laughs> it's a close-up on Groot. <laughs> but it, like in the, the background... Groot's in the foreground. In the background, you see the Guardians 
fighting this yeah. alien. And it's not just Groot, it's baby Groot. Because remember from the first movie, he sacrificed himself yeah. to save everyone. So now he is um, like born again. Like he is a, a child. Well, it was that twig that he He, he was kept. a twig. Now he's basically like a toddler-esque. And so he can't fight. So he's he put together the music thing. And, and he has trouble, and then he starts dancing. It freeze frame says Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And then the rest of the scene is one long tra- tracking shot. That's actually 11 shots I saw. Oh, cool. Um, It's uh where they just follow Groot, like, dancing. And it As is... The, it's basically the title sequence. Yeah, the, yes, the and, sequence. yeah, and, like, yeah, the, the credits are rolling. Which is, like, the first movie, you're like, that's the best credit sequence I've ever seen. And then you see this movie, and you're like, this is the best opening credit it's, sequence it, I've it, ever seen. It's honestly the 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 hardest I've ever laughed in the theaters. Micah turned to me in theaters when it ended and said, if the movie ended right there, I'd leave, pay for a ticket, and come right back. Oh, yeah, it was it was so satisfying. Uh and actually, last night, we hadn't seen it in so long that I actually started laughing really hard again. Yeah. And um, and in the background, like, the Guardians are all getting beaten up and stuff like that. And I just, I'm just going to say it's it's the best. It's the best scene in any <laughs> of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And I just went and saw Far From Home again today, and it's got the great scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is explaining what went down. Yeah. No, Which, that scene better. is so cool. J- Jeremy turned to me, and he was like, whoa, that is crazy. Oh, cool. <laughs> so... Um. Yeah. So that all happens. Then they go and they meet with the well. They they defeat high they defeat the mon- the sea monkey. Yeah. Well, we don't have to do every saying, beat. This is gonna be a hard movie to not try to explain the visuals because the movie is so visual. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we can do our best. Yeah. Um. But speaking of the visuals, I mean, it, what's kind of cool about the movie is. It's it's very it's very CGI based, yeah. super CGI yeah. based. But then they do things like the sovereign, those gold people, like they that's all practical. And the makeup's insane. The set and is they insane. look really really cool. Yeah. And then you know, not to mention like Drax or Gamora or um, Rocket. Yeah. Well, well like he's we're talking CG, about practical. But... Wait, what? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that noticing in this movie, uh, the CGI elements. Some of them are cartoonish, so it's a, it's like yeah, it's CGI. We're gonna make it crazy too. Yeah, we're not gonna try to make it look as real as I think possible. They're a little more self-aware, I think. Yeah, and I it. I appreciate especially with this movie. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, and and I think we're all we're getting to that point in the universe where people are kind of like, I mean, if you're on board by now, you're on board. So we don't we don't have to handhold you. We don't have to pretend like. I appreciate that James Gunn and and most of the movies they don't they don't all try and pretend that they're the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. You know they 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 do their own thing. Yeah. And this movie especially is just like it goes balls to the walls the whole time, and it doesn't it doesn't apologize for that no. ever. And I, what I likened it to last night was I said it's like this movie is slam dunking every scene, <laughs> but instead of instead of a movie like Suicide Squad where it's like check it out we're slam dunking and you're like shut up yeah like someone break this person's ankle because I don't want them to slam dunk again this sucks whoa this one's like every scene they slam dunk and you're like woo <laughs> so, pass him a ball <laughs> get him another ball see if he can do it oh he did it again <laughs> so they go to the Sovereign and um you know fun banter stuff no banter you- banter 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 um as they're leaving, 
you find out that Rocket has stolen some of the batteries. Yeah. And only him and Drax know for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, so in the ship and then, then they're attacked by the sovereign. Where were they? What was their next place of going to? There was a reason. Um, like they're like, oh, okay, we get this money. We're going to go do this. Oh no, no, no. That not only, no, they didn't just get paid. They got Nebula. That's what it was. That's right. That's they right. gave them Nebula. And I think they're going to take her to Xandar. They were. Yep. Um, so Nebula from the last movie, it's Gamora's sister. Yeah. Um, she is like a bad guy. And I'm putting that in air quotes mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, she's like a complicated bad guy at the moment. Yeah. It's almost as if it's like she's just on the wrong team. When I think I think they mentioned that she was trying to steal the batteries or or something like that. Like she she's trying to do something and we don't really know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um so then they go the the sovereign team, the sovereign uh people find out that they stole the batteries. They attack them in these cool designed arcade like all of the all of the ships that attack guardians are controlled by remote in in arcade basically by the sovereign people i mean the, the which sound is cool design it's funny and it's it's just kind of like oh i haven't really seen this before yeah like, this is cool well it's cool too because the the people are described as being very vain mm-hmm. and very like shallow so it's like well of course they're not going to put their actual beings at risk yeah. <laughs> yeah to be killed so it's like it even makes sense with who they are as people yeah Great. So they're they're trying to outrun them, um, and they they're trying to go to the closest planet that they can, and they have to go through a quantum asteroid field. Yeah. So it gets even harder, you know. And it's that's like, cool because these asteroids, these red and black asteroids, are just kind of popping up, and then they shoot in odd directions and stop, and then shoot in other odd directions. Yeah. And it's you're kind of like, oh, a new take on asteroids. Yeah. So I, not only are they trying to get away from these people, they're trying to not get blown like have an asteroid just appear in front of them and crash their ship. Yeah. And um, so they're going through that and they're like, why are they chasing us? And they find out that rocket stole the batteries. And this is when like the, one of the main conflicts of the movie begins where it's uh, rockets just does things. He mm-hmm. just, he just does bad. And, and well, yeah, it's like, why, why would you do that? Cause it's funny. No, but why did you do that? And so he put everyone at risk. And him and Peter have those dueling egos, and they're both trying to like fly the ship and stuff. And so, you're seeing how they they like their egos getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Both of them, both of them equally too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and like then, not one is more at fault than the other in that. Yeah, and then a man, a little tiny man on a ship, flies by and kills all the sovereign ships, and then they land in their jump. Point. But he, it's a it's a little man on top of a ship that's shaped like an egg. Yeah. And it's even white like an egg. <laughs> and it's just him and it's like he it's as if the egg is a whale and he has reins, like yeah. horse reins yeah. on it and is just standing on top and waving. And it's the that great camera cuz it's not obviously it's not real like CGI, is yeah. what I mean? But the camera like kind of does a steady cam. Yeah. And yeah. zooms in and it's it's so funny cuz Rocket's just like there's a little guy out there. Yeah. And he kind of <laughs> says it quietly. Oh, so funny. Yeah. So they they make it to the planet, but they crash land there, destroy the ship. Yeah. Um, and what's great about that is in a lot of movies, they'd crash land on this planet. Their ship would be totally destroyed. And they're like, Oh, I guess we're stuck on this planet for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Which sometimes that's great. That's, that's like nothing against that. But like within 30 seconds, the guy on the egg ship shows up. 
And we find out it's Peter's father. Yeah. This and is so quick. It's, it's crazy that this is like so much happens in the first act. I know. Well, you know, what I, was, I was noticing last night is like we paused the movie at like one ten, and then I had to go to the bathroom and then there was still an hour left. And we were in like the, I'm pretty sure the rest of the movie was um, just kind of the last sequence because there's so much that happens. Mm-hmm. And, and we should mention that the, the action is actually pretty fun to watch in this movie. Yes. Um, because it's it doesn't really get boring. And I think there's a couple of reasons why. Um, one is that you, you have character developing moments in the action. Yeah. So everything with, like, Peter fighting his dad, jump, jumping way ahead, we'll jump back, but everything with Peter fighting his dad, character development, mm-hmm. um, even, even Mantis and Drax, friendship. Um, Yondu. Yondu. All, all those people, like, they're, they're all getting their due. And then uh, they're Yondu. <laughs> And <laughs> and then you have cool cool of special effects that are happening. And then I think the third thing that Guardians nails, um, and it couples with humor. So so when when something funny is happening in these action sequences, it kind of brings you in even further. Mm-hmm. But they do this brilliant thing where like right about at the moment where you'd go, I'm kind of tired of looking at this. They pull away and they go to like a deeply funny deeply character driven moment. Mm-hmm. So for example in that last sequence when when Rocket's trying to set the bomb with Groot, mm-hmm. it's like a huge battle's happening outside and they take like a minute and a half out of the movie for him to sit there and try to explain to baby Groot what to do and waiting and for tape. And waiting for tape and it's kind of like they're kind of bored like yeah. sitting there and and that kind of th- I think that's why the action s- functions so well in these movies. And that the movies don't get um, boring because it's it's similar to um, Guardians One is mm-hmm. they're they're both in that way that the action is broken up by humor and characters and stuff so you're not just like bored because this movie is mostly action in a lot of ways it really is it just it kind of doesn't really stop yeah yeah so to get back to like where we're at is um, okay fine P- <laughs> Peter's dad shows up tells Peter I'm your dad and mm-hmm. then they they take a take a moment to kind of like talk about it like because it's just like oh the first guy is gonna tell me I, he's my dad i'm gonna believe him it's like mm-hmm. no they kind of talk about it talks about his mom just briefly and they're still on the planet that they crash landed on and then you see this um woman with him named mantis and she doesn't talk very much right at the beginning which i think is is cool because she she seems very submissive but partly because she does has never had interaction with anyone else besides a god so yeah. it's like that's the only thing she really knows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. I think it's cool that she just doesn't even fully understand what she can do. Yeah. And it's cool because it's not just like she has a superpower. She's an alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you would think that's she. there are potentially millions of other things that can do the same thing that she can. Right. But I she's never, never thought met of that. them. Yeah. So she's never figured it out. Yeah. Like totally. Um, so it's... I like the... You know, immediately she kind of bonds with Drax, sort of, where yeah. she's like asking if him if she can pet his dog, which is Rocket, and he plays a practical joke, and then Drax does a hilarious thing where he's like, "That was a practical joke. I just thought of that. I just made that. I up. just made that up." <laughs> and it's great too because in the first movie, um, when Drax was introduced, and Peter was sarcastic about something, and he didn't he didn't get it. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh," and Rocket says something like, "They're they're highly literal." people yeah. anything's gonna go right over their head and, and drax is like nothing goes right over my head i would catch it yeah 
this movie, he's definitely developed a sense of humor. Well, it, you know what? It's kind of like he's on this mission to like understand what a metaphor is. Almost, for it's, sure. it's almost yeah. like that's what his his character goal is. Because throughout this and and in the Avengers too, it's like he's trying to. I don't know. He's always trying to like figure it out. I, I, like figure out yeah. that other level of language. And what's crazy too is that in the first movie he had such a strong motivation um, because Ronan had killed, well, Thanos, but like Ronan had killed his family. Mm-hmm. And then that movie ends, Ronan's dead. And of course he wants to get Thanos. Like that's still his motivation, but it's like he, he found some resolve in his loss and his yeah. tragedy. So this movie, you could think if it was not done well, you could probably think like, well, why is Drax in it? Mm-hmm. But they have, they made him so essential to the humor of the entire movie yeah. that they, that he had to be in it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just, it's crazy because he is, he's useful in other ways, but I would say he's most useful in character development. Yeah. And it's just crazy too, because he is probably laughing the most out of everyone. He seems the most happy yeah, and like the <laughs> yeah. most like carefree. And I think it's because he, he did what he needed to do in the last movie and he, he like helped Mantis now. Yeah. Even though he doesn't know that he does. It's just, it's just so interesting what they did with him. Yeah. Cause they could have gotten really boring or they could have just been like, I know Ronan killed my family, but I really want Thanos and made him kind of the same character. He was in the last yeah, movie. And he totally was not. Yeah. Right. And he still has that moment in Infinity War where he like tries to kill Thanos, mm-hmm. you know, so he still gets his due. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all that's happening. Peter goes with his alleged Peter dad. Gamora Drax. Yes. And then meanwhile, because I don't exactly remember where they. Well, where and, they... and they have him and uh, Peter and Rocket have that moment where they're like, you, you suck. And like, yeah. are you just trying to make everybody hate you? And kind of vice versa. But mostly he, Peter's saying to Rocket, like, what is your goal here? What are you trying to do? Like, just make us all hate, hate you? you? Well, I don't get it. And then he goes away. Basically, he's like, and it's working. Everyone's going to hate you. Yeah. Um. And then I think it might be right after this when we are introdu- reintroduced to Yondu. Yes. And the Ravagers. Oh, yeah, On, yeah, yeah. It's basically like an underground, like, brothel planet yeah yeah basically um and it's it's so i'm sorry i'm trying to collect my thoughts on it so basically i wouldn't say yondu looks very happy (laughs) no no, he looks very depressed he looks very depressed pretty miserable um and he sees sylvester stallone who is another ravager Mm -hmm. and and goes up to him and he's just like oh my gosh it's you like your brother basically yeah like how are you so great to see you kind of thing and immediately sylvester stallone like rejects him and is like i would never can like talk to someone who traded kids yeah so basically he tells him that he's excommunicated and he said that they'll never have the the fireworks at his funeral or the horns of the ravagers play Mm -hmm. because Um, because he mentioned that he had traded kids at one point and then yondu pleads um, he's like i wear these colors like you know and he didn't he's like i didn't know and it's and then sylvester's is a good thing where it's like yeah you didn't know because you didn't want to yeah yeah you're still responsible um and then so, he leaves and then the sovereign girl comes and she goes she, she hires them to get the guardians yeah she hires yondu to get the guardians which is is a 
I, I think it, it's it's because the last movie ended with Peter screwing Yondu over by not giving him the Infinity Stone. And you remember yeah. Yondu's kind of like smiling, like I knew he wouldn't give it to me. Yeah, but it's it is kind of like he still owes me. Yeah. So the, he's like out for blood mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but well, I don't agree with that because especially in the scene after um, they kind of get get rocket captured and stuff you know like he he says um he he yeah he even says like or they're trying to negotiate well they're trying to negotiate and yondu walks out yeah um and so so before this the ravagers come they attack rocket on his ship and rocket and Groot and nebula are there and rocket fights them all off to southern knights it's hilarious Mm -hmm. so then they're surrounded they finally got rocket captured and Yondu comes out, and he basically says, well, guys, why would we get the Guardians of the Galaxy and have Xandar on our backs? Because they're gods, or they're like heroes, g- g- heroes at Xandar, um, when we could just take these batteries and go sell them. Right. And then they the, the problem that the Ravagers have with Yondu is, like, you're all, you, it's basically he, he's soft, and he never does the thing that he needs to do. With Peter with Peter not not I would say kind of in everything though okay because I, I, I think I think I don't think there's up. anything to back that up okay well no, no, I would go just, ahead go ahead I would just I'm assume kidding. like it the catalyst is Peter yeah but it's like you're soft period yeah especially with Peter so then there's a mutiny yeah and him he's thrown in prison so is Nebula so is um but the actually Nebula is not thrown thing gets blown off his by head. Nebula by Nebula. And she actually is not put in prison because she kind of runs the show. And she's like, boys, I got some ideas. Yeah. She's like, give me 10% of the cut and I'll yeah. help you. Yeah. Um, And then meanwhile, uh, we're back on Ego's planet. So Ego, um, who's Kurt Russell, uh, he brings them all in. And he, he explains Peter's heritage and explains, like, you're half God. Um. The planet that you're on is me. Yeah, this is I am ego, the living planet. And his and his his goal, like he he created a purpose for himself by figuring out life, like in, like literally creating life. Yeah. So that he can create more life, but to him, life is him. So what he wants is to create more of himself. Mm-hmm. Originally, it seems like he's just trying to create life, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and Gamora the whole time is kind of like, this just doesn't really feel right. Uh-huh. And then Drax and Mantis are still like bonding, becoming friends. Um, he tells her she's ugly, all <laughs> yeah, that fun yeah. stuff. And she's trying to tell him something's wrong, but yeah, there's, but there's she not can't really a like, moment. she can't get herself to do it. Yeah. And then as, as like those things are happening, Peter is still talking to his dad and is like, why would you ever like, why would you leave my mom? Why did you not come back for her? And and his excuse is like, it, I have to come back to this planet every so often or else I'll die, basically. Because yeah. he just needs to make sure that the light doesn't go out. Yeah. And he said that if I went back to Earth one more time, I would never leave because he loved his mom that much. Yeah. Which allegedly. Is, allegedly. Which is kind of that funny thing where you're like, why didn't you just take her with you? Yeah. One of those things. Well, and he's just making it up. Oh, you yeah. Find he's, out later. Yeah, he's making it up. Um. So he he's trying to get Peter to understand like you are God, a yeah. God. And which means you can do things like I can. Yeah. And then he creates a little ball of light out of thin air. Yeah. And they play catch. And Peter plays catch with his dad. 
uh-huh. and it's in slow motion. It's a little heavy handed, but I think they know that and it's oh, pretty it's funny. So hilarious. I yeah. love it. Um, and then one thing I wanted to mention. So I think maybe this is a podcast about franchises is about sequels. I think I have like a little hack if you're ever going to write a sequel to a movie. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it is, if it's a sequel that has an ensemble, um, like your movie's an ensemble, so Guardians, and I'm going to use as another example, Stranger Things, okay. even though that is not a movie. Right. So you have these first two, or these this first experience with that thing, and it's pretty awesome. And you're like, this is awesome. I love all these characters. And then I'm going to skip season two of Stranger Things, even though it's pretty good, but it, it, it misses season the mark a little a bit. Banger. Season three was great. Doesn't have a bad episode. But, and what is season it? two? It has one bad episode. Yeah. Uh, but what does Guardians two and Stranger Things three have in common? They split up the team. Yes. Yes. And by yes. by doing that, you get to Lord of the Rings does it too. And I know that's part of the book. That's true. But Lord of the Rings does it too. Lord of the Rings does it as well. You are right. You could also argue Star Wars does Star- it too. Oh, that was another one that I yeah. noticed because. Um, yeah, they, they split up those um, four, Chewbacca, Luke, Han, and Leia, they, and, they, and C-3PO and R2-D2. They split them all up. And even huh. The Last Jedi splits them up. And I think by splitting characters up, what you open up is just by way of splitting them up, naturally, you have just a whole different set of options for like characters interacting with each wow. other. Wow. You cracked the freaking code. Look at you, man. I know. I think it's. I think it's pretty good. Um, because it it seems like a a lot of really good sequels. That's what they do. They break up the team. I'm just e- trying to think of more. Literally, or like metaphor, like or they don't necessarily like break them up. Like we're no longer this team, but splitting them up. So now you get to see Rocket and Yondu. Uh huh. Hang out. Now you get to see like. Um, Drax and and um, and Gamora and Peter together, and and now the team split up. It helps that there's new characters as well, but not that many in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean like Mantis you, and Ego. You have basically. some more Ravagers, sure, yeah. um, but they're more comedic relief. And mm-hmm. then the Sovereign Queen, who is just a MacGuffin. Yeah. So. Well, I wouldn't. She's not a MacGuffin. I don't think. Cause she. How is she not? Well, she plays a pretty central plot to the story like you can't in what way well i mean she like drives the the sovereign to go after them the whole time yeah but it's, then, she's continuously hiring people yeah to, like she hired yondu that like that's yondu's reason mm-hmm. for going to the guardians that's I, a macguffin i don't think so oh I, just because like a macguffin can be replaced with anything it's it's just supposed to be like um it's just moving the story forward not necessarily. Okay. Um, it would. It's just like the, like, because if if you went to like Pulp Fiction, like the MacGuffin, the briefcase, you can replace that with like anything. It's just whatever's in the briefcase. It doesn't matter. But you can't like take out the sovereign and change it to something else. Why couldn't you? Well, I mean, you could change anything in a in a story. No, but I, I mean specifically the sovereign. How could you not change? You could. Well, because she has like a personal stake in it. Because they they insulted her. And then she she's getting those batteries, and then the batteries are also like how they destroy ego. Just to me, that's you're describing a MacGuffin. Oh, I don't. I just disagree. I don't think it's a okay. MacGuffin. Um, but anyway, you split up the team. 
like, like in Stranger Things, like mm-hmm. ha- having uh, Dustin and um, what's his name together. That was like a Steve. Steve. That was like a relationship that um, that you just learn a lot about them. It's interesting. Back together in this episode. Oh crap! But they just played on it more. Apparently, yeah. there was more to explore. Yeah, and they be because of the second season, they became like best friends. Mm-hmm. So in the third season, you introduced the other girl. Don't remember uh, her name. Robin. Robin, and then the other girl. <laughs> so they they did introduce more yeah. to their dynamic, too. Yeah. But. But anyway, so that's that's my uh, my hint on sequels. Cool. Um. So now we're back at Guardians. There's been a mutiny on Yondu's ship, and he's in prison with Rocket and Groot, and Groot is going to help them break out. Groot is the new mascot for the Ravengers. Yes, but he doesn't understand things very well. So they try to explain to him, like, hey, Groot, I need you to get my... Um, prototype thin. Prototype thin. And he brings back underwear. And they're like, that's not it. He brings back a rat alien. They're like, that's not it. Uh, he brings back an eye. No. Desk. A th- uh, and then the 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 thumb part of your toe, like the your big toe, your big toe, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, Sean Gunn, who originally had su- kind of suggested the mutiny, not by he, by he accident. Like more, yeah, yeah, and it was more in a like. I mean, I'm sure he he meant it. Like something needs to change. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean this. Yeah. And then all of his friends were dying. And he's like, well, I'm, I don't want to die. Yeah. So I'm just going to play along with this until I can see my way out. And what's funny about this that we mentioned last night is that had he not made that change, Groot probably never would have found the prototype thing. Which means they probably would have died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, Nebula has agreed to do something and she leaves. Well, she like supported the mutiny. She made sure it happened. Yeah. So they gave her a ship. Yeah. And ten percent of the money, yeah. And then she went. She left. And um, then uh, so actually before this though, in the prison, Yondu and Rocket are starting to like. They're not becoming buddies, but they're starting to like understand each other a little bit. We'll get more into that later in the movie. And he, it's just so funny because there was the part when they started talking, and then. Rocket kind of makes Yondu laugh a little bit. And then Rocket's like, oh, there's that disgusting, like the worst set of teeth I've ever seen. Yeah. And then Yondu says, you're like, are you like a professional a-hole or what? Yeah. <laughs> um, And then we have maybe the most violent scene in any Marvel movie. Yeah. Because they break out. He uses his prototype thin. It's a song. Thin? You called it thin. I thought it was thin. I thought it was a fin. That makes more sense. I bet yeah. it's a fin. So he whistles, which has this little arrow. Yeah. That goes around and it kills everyone people. in the ship. And Rocket is like shooting guns. And at what's everyone. the song that's playing? Um, I don't remember I, what it is. I think I know what it is. I just have to see the title. But yeah, it, they're they're laughing. They're laughing as they're it, killing people. It's maniacal. People. I mean, it is so violent and graphic. It's there's just a few things in this movie. Like in the mutiny when they're killing people and the guy freezes in space, this scene and then the the prostitute robots on the on that first planet. I'm Gosh, like, this is yeah. kind of like the kids that are seeing this are probably like, Dad, what no. is this? Um, or Mom, what is this? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so they do that. Then Nebula has expressed how her her and um 
Thanos. Oh, yeah. Is this the song? It is. It is. Just tell us the name and shut it off so we don't get copyrighted claimed. Yeah, this is it. Come a little bit closer by Jay and the Americans. And you can play two seconds of a song, Micah. No, I know, but no more. Okay. Um, so then Nebula has expressed that Thanos would pin her and Gamora against each other and fight, and Gamora would always win, and then he would, like, basically tear apart Nebula and turn her more and more into a robot every time To try time to make her lost. Gamora's equal. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy, which is why I remember b before we saw Infinity War, I was just like, they better give Nebula her due because, like, she has so much at stake with Thanos. Mm -hmm. And they totally did. Mm -hmm. um, and so she goes and she finds him on Ego's planet. She attacks Gamora. Gamora Ruthlessly. still... Oh, yeah. It's a, a great scene. Um, Gamora, like finally like she beats her again she bests her and she's like why are you trying to do this and she goes i just wanted a sister I, you always had to win and i just wanted a sister and jordan's already crying it's just great because she says it she doesn't it's like she didn't know she was gonna say it mm -hmm. so it, it's like it, it was just heartfelt and that's the moment where as first time viewer i'm like oh Nebula's super cool and I hope she yeah. doesn't die and I hope she becomes a major player yeah. in this world. Yeah. And then she does. Um Yeah. Not she dies. She does become a major player mm -hmm. and she dies, but she's still alive because she kills herself in Endgame, which yeah. is just cool. I love that kind of time travel stuff. Um and then we have the the great the great scene where Gamora and Peter are dancing and they talk about the unspoken thing. That, mm -hmm. that if they talked about it, the ratings of the TV show would go down. And just great. He just nailed, like, the 90s and 80s and yeah. 70s of sitcoms. But she she's more interested in trying to locate Rocket because he's not answering. Mm -hmm. And, of course, at this, they don't know that they, they've been kidnapped. Well, and she's just concerned that this guy isn't who he says he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they, they get into a fight because Peter's like, well, you're the one who encouraged me to come here. Yeah. And... Fight, 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 fight. Uh, but no, but she, she's just like, I thought you already had a family. Mm -hmm. And then she leaves. Dang. And then Peter's all feeling sorry for himself. And, and then his dad walks in, and mm -hmm. one of my favorite scenes, and he explains how the song Brandy by Looking Glass is about them and... About Gamora and... No, no, Peter. he explains how oh, it's, no, them. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. about... They're the sailors. They're yeah. the sailors, and the sea is like their purpose. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, of course, Nebula and Gamora find out they see all the bones mm -hmm. in the planet. And they're like, what is going on? So everyone now kind of is like, things aren't as they should be. Meanwhile, Peter says, you know what? I'm ready to be a god, basically. Mm -hmm. And then his dad is explaining to him that they need to take destroy the universe, basically. And well, he, he said he reveals to him that he has been... Well, he reveals the universe to him. Mm -hmm. And then he also reveals to him that he had been for years and years. I mean, like millions yeah, of years is also in that like mature category. Yeah, of this movie. has been an impregnating any species he can find. Any Tom, Dick and Harry yeah, he can find to, to see if the, the baby will take and like be a God. Yeah. Cause he can't do it by himself. He needs his, like an offspring God. To yeah. basically like, and he kind of <laughs> says it too, like be the battery. Yeah. 
that powers him taking over and like duplicating himself across the universe. Yeah. And Peter, it's kind of too late. He's submitted, but he also realizes that he's like, Oh, so my mom wasn't important to you. And he does. He's like, no, I, she wasn't, she was important to me. She's the it, first woman I ever loved, which is like probably because woman means human yeah. usually. So like that was the first human he ever loved. Um, and saying that like, you know, he, I really did love her and it was really sad to see her go. It was really hard to put that tumor in her brain. And it's yeah. like, what? They do that great thing too. They where do the jaws, like pull, they do the pulling jaws, focus, pull focus thing. And, yeah. And I would say that the, the eyes, in his eyes, cause they, it looks really good. They're like, they're like celestial. I don't yeah. know why I'm showing you. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks really and then good. They, they turn into human eyes in that shot. How many times in the movie have you seen them change someone's eyes? And it looks, and it looks so bad. Yeah. And this, I don't know what, how they made it look I think good. it's because it looks like the universe, kind of. It has, like, stars in his eyes. So yeah, it's it not just like, looks interesting. It's not just, like, red or black or... Yeah, probably. It looks so good. So, yeah, he realizes that Ego killed his mom. Yeah. And he crushes his Walkman. And then mm-hmm. Peter's like, no way. And that's when the big final set piece happens. Mm-hmm. And everyone, all of our characters now meet at the planet. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, we got to get rid of Ego. So they start doing it. The Sovereign shows up. Whoopsies. <laughs> and and um, so it's all, conv- it's it's cool. Like this story is so cool because it, it like all these, it's so many stories and it's cool how they all naturally Wait, show sh- up at the, at the one planet. And like you get to have the final, like everything right there and you don't have to like bounce around to everything else. And then before you do your thing uh, that you were going to do, because I just remembered what what you're about to say. Actually, go ahead and see if it was what I thought. Rocket and Yondu's conversation. Oh, no, it wasn't. But go ahead. Uh, like probably one of the big, like a climax in terms mm-hmm. of character development in the movie. Yeah. Slash universe is when uh, Yondu, Rocket, Groot, and Sean Gunn, I don't remember that character's name. They, they leave the Ravagers. They blow up the Ravager ship. And they're gone. And they're like, we're going to... And uh, Rocket's like, okay, we're jumping. We're doing quantum leaps to get to Ego's planet so that we can get him. And they jump too many times. And it's a really funny sequence. Very funny. Not going to go into detail on how to describe it because it's yeah. insane. You also get your Stanley cameo where you find out this yeah. whole time he's been going in disguise in each movie because he's talking to what are called the Watchers. And he says... He's been going into skies. Um, well, because remember, he looks up at the watchers and he goes, and then there was this other time where I was a mailman. A Federal it, Express worker. Yeah, because in Civil War, he was a Federal Express worker. And the fact that he says, and there was this one time, and or and there was another time where I did this. So you're getting the impression that every time he's cameoed in a Marvel movie, it's been to be like a secret agent of these alien race watcher people. Oh, I never got that. Yeah, they, they basically explained his like story purpose yeah. to be in it. Not just like a cameo. He's actually been like spying on. I never got that ever. <laughs> yeah. That is so wonderful. That would be one of the best ones. <laughs> I know it's got to be. Yeah. It's the funniest yeah. thing. Um, so By the way, those watchers are so cool. They're scary. But they, so in the Civil War comics. Yeah. Um, there's a, I've, I've never read anything that has them in it until I was reading the civil war comics and they're having this debate about the, um, whether they should do the registration act or not. And then one of them appears and everybody's like, wait, wait, what is this? What, what's going on? And then, um, they, uh, someone just says like, oh, those guys don't, they don't, 
interact in anything, but they show up to like record history, and that means That's so scary. And and they say that means something really bad is about to happen. That's kind of and that's <laughs> what. Yeah, that, that is cool? so scary. Yeah, I wish that they didn't appear visually. I w- that would just it's like a ghost. Yeah, <gasps> that's that's like so scary. Well, and I I th- it actually might have been. I'm pretty sure it was the beginning of Civil War. I've, I've, I'm like a quarter of the way through that um, whole run. So it, it might have been something else I read, but... That's still just so scary. I'm pretty sure... If it, that's their only purpose. But yeah, they like show up and they like record events. They're they, like, and they're they like, don't, that, they don't that intervene. That they're bad omens. Basically, yeah. And I'm like, okay, why are they not in every movie ever? Maybe they're in the background. <laughs> oh, that like, would be if something crazy. something bad happens in every movie... It wouldn't be a well, movie if nothing bad happened. And what would be cool... I think I read somewhere that someone said this, but um, you know how they're doing the animated What If series? Yeah. And for the listener uh, on Disney+, Plus, they're going to have like an animated show where they talk about the What Ifs like, and, and, and make up like an alternate of what could have happened in a movie. It'd be cool if it was like hosted by a watcher. Whoa, that would be cool. Or, or something like that. Or, or they were included somehow. Yeah. As like just passive people, but maybe, you know, I don't know. They're cool though. They're so Their eyes are their projectors. (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy. Okay. Get back to the movie though. Yeah. That's so crazy. So they, they finish their, all their quantum leaps and, um, it's, it's kind of like, Yondu's like, what did you do that for? Why, why do we need to go get them? Cause basically it's like, they're free. They can go do whatever they want now. They really, I mean, Rocket and Peter pretty much hate each other's guts now. Yeah. Why would they need to go save them? Uh-huh. And, and Rocket's like, I need to go do it, go save it, go save them and rub it in Peter's face. He'll never I, be able to. Get- never be able to live it down that I saved his life. And, and Yondu's just like, you're crazy. That is not a reason. You know, it's just like, that's insane. He's like, but you're, I mean, he's much more eloquent. It's like yes. a, he's like pre, like a reciting, not reciting. He's delivering a sermon to him because he, he's just like, you do things, you do bad things, and you don't really know why. And you hurt people you hurt on people. purpose. And you hurt pe- as soon as people start getting close to you, you hurt them. He's and like, drive you don't know, you don't know me. And he goes, he's like, I know you, I am you. And then there's that connection, and and we learn now that like Yondu had been sla- like sending the children to yes. Ego. But then when he found out what was going on, he kept Peter. And then he always told Peter that he just kept him because he was small so he could steal stuff. But he was actually protecting him. Yes. So there's all this like father dynamic stuff. Yeah, and it's just like... The, really good. The, the movie's like Shrek. It's like an onion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the layers are being pulled what? back. Well, and another thing I... Uh, so the, the, the whole universe is at stake again. In a Marvel movie. And it's like, oh man, oh brother. But the reason this one works, and like I have no, it's like not, it's just so good, is because it's so personal. Mm-hmm. If he was just like, if if Ego was even the same thing, but he didn't have any relationship to Quill or Yondu, I don't think the movie would be very good. Totally. It's But it's that connection, so it's like, yes, there is this huge universe threat, but it's really a personal conflict. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, I mean, that's why Thanos works too. Yep. So, um, just great. Yeah. It's, it's so wonderful. He goes up there on my favorites of the villains. And Kurt Russell is the obvious casting choice. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Also, they do a pretty good, like I, I buy that that's his dad. Like they look alike. 
Oh, I, I never like pay attention to that sort of thing. And it's not like crazy. They don't yeah. look like, I mean, really in, if you looked at them in real life, no, Yeah. but their hair is kind of similar. Like their, their type of hair. So yeah, I mean, sometimes that's really all you need. Wind, wind blown hair. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> that's kind of like all you need for stuff like that, but it's like, yeah, I buy that. Yeah. I can be his dad. Um, um so now big final ba- battle, um, a lot of great jokes. Uh, the bomb with Groot, which we kind of already discussed. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are we going to discuss the this, battle? This part is all so visual, but uh, Mantis, her her true or her original purpose basically for existence was to help Ego fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of all she knew to her extent of what she can do. She does also know that she's an empath, so she can like help people with their feelings. Yeah. But he's getting really crazy and she makes him fall asleep. Yeah. I just think that's an apparent, an important thing to touch on yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then the sovereign people show up and through a lot of other things that happen, like through the help of Nebula, they kill them, all the ships. Yeah. Um, and then that's the, like sovereign's done. Mm-hmm. They're out. So then it's just like Peter and his dad. Yeah. That's all that's left. And everyone else needs to get out. Yeah. Um, so and the bomb gets planted. Groot does it successfully. Mm-hmm. So they've like about five minutes. Um, and we have the greatest line in the cinematic universe where Yondu saves Peter from an explosion, mm-hmm. and he's going down. He's holding his um, arrow, arrow, and it's red, and he's in a very familiar pose. And <laughs> I almost said Andy because he's doing the Andy laugh. Uh, Chris Pratt looks up at him and he says. Huh, you look like Mary Poppins. And then he goes, is he cool? Yondu says, is he cool? And then Chris Pratt goes, yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. And he was like, hell yeah, he's cool. <laughs> and then he, and then Yondu shouts out the best line. He goes, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> it's the best. And it's actually like, it's the perfect, it, it is the perfect line because it, there's actually so much emotion and there's acceptance yeah. between Peter and him. Yeah. And it's also just so funny, but it, it actually is like a character driving moment. Yeah. Um, which is why everything in this movie is so great. It's I, just I like, know. So then like when the, when the bomb is um, detonated, well, the timer goes off for the bomb. Yeah. So they've about five minutes. Everyone's going to the ship. Um, Rocket, Yondu, and Peter are pretty much the ones left. Well, technically Groot too. And it's like, okay, we need to get out of here. Like Peter needs to do his thing and kill his dad while we get out of here. Yeah. You know? Well, even though his dad's going to die. Anyway, Rocket's like, okay, let's go. And Yondu's like, I got to stay here. And he's like, I'm not leaving you. And he's like, no, I need, I, I need this for me. I yeah. need to stay here and like save his son. Ugh. So like Rocket gives him a, basically a spacesuit and a jetpack. Yeah, because that's all he has left. And only one of each. Yeah. So Rocket and Don't Groot... Don't break my heart again, Jordan. <laughs> no. Rocket and Groot make it back to the ship, and everyone's screaming, like... And he's like, okay, we need to leave. We need to take off. And everyone's screaming, like, where's Peter? Yeah. And he just can't answer. And he's like... Gamora tries leaving the ship, and he knocks her out. Yeah. And he's like, I, I can't lose more than one friend today. And it's funny about that. Not funny, but, like... It, it's almost like... You know he's talking about Peter... But I think that he's masking it further and he's like, I can't lose because he's also losing nice. Yondu. Yeah, he's losing two friends. Yeah. And I, I think that he he just can't bear to say it. Yeah. That's what I'm choosing to believe. And then 
And then Yondu saves him. And as they're going up. Well, he, his dad gets is dead. He, yeah. the, the bomb's detonated. He's gone. He starts dissolving. Yeah. Cool animation on his dissolving. Because so it's, it's cool. not just dust. It's like crumbly. It's not like even like clay sand. almost. It's it, very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like those weird little things you can push in and they make shapes. That's what it looks like. It's also another material that I can't think of. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of being a kid. But he said, like, before he dies, he's like, you know, he may have been your father, but he wasn't no, 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 your no, daddy. No, 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 not that part. <laughs> Kurt Russell says to Peter, like, what are you doing? You could have everything. Like, why would why would you want to be like everyone else? And hey. Peter says, what's so wrong with that? Oh. Okay, then you go ahead. And then Yondu's saving him, and he goes, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And you're like, oh, And you're dang. just crying. You're sobbing. You're wiping up the tears and then, from your face. And then Chris Pratt does some real heavy lifting on the acting when he's like, no, no. Like, he finds out he's the only one who has a space suit, so Yondu is going to die. Like, great acting. Great acting. Yeah. They pick him up. They say some last words about Yondu. They send him in the space. This is the David Hasselhoff thing. Oh, you go where ahead. Peter is standing over him with all of them. And he said, when I was a kid, I had a picture of David Hasselhoff. And I would tell the other kids that that's my dad. He tells them who David Hasselhoff is. Um, and he's like, David Hasselhoff got all the chicks. He had a cool car. And he kicked ass. And he's like, Yondu, like, he kicked ass. He had a cool arrow. And he was a great, you know, it's like, I guess my dad was David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And you're still crying. <laughs> and you're wiping more tears off your face. And then Nebula and Gamora, like, Nebula leaves. Gamora follows her. They share a little moment. Yeah. Of, of Gamora. Like, they hug. They hug. And Gamora's telling her, like, there are, like, so many other girls out there who are like us. Don't you want to go save them? Yeah. Um, and Nebula is like, I need to go. Part, part of it, she she doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Because she, she has a sister now, you mm. know? So it's like, she doesn't know how to be a sister. Even though that's, you know, it's one of the things like, she is not raised in that. Neither is Gamora, really. But um, Nebula just needs to leave. And f like, isn't her, she still needs to find Thanos. She's yeah. like, I'm going yeah, go to go kill Thanos. And she she's just like, Thanos. Gamora's like, I don't think that's possible She anymore. wants to get the fan man. Fan man. But yeah, Gamora's like, I don't think that's possible anymore. Yeah. But Nebula still leaves. Mm -hmm. So then it goes, yeah, it goes back to um, they to Yondu, Yondu's funeral. They put up, they cremate him basically in that rainbow yeah. fire, which is so cool. And then the Ravagers show up and they do do the horns of whatever. They and do they, do it. They do um, the fireworks. And they all salute to him. And before that, there's that great scene where um, uh, Rocket says like, Wow, it's or, or no, it's be, that scene. He no, yeah. he says but he before says that, Peter, no, no, because of the song's important. The song's important. Okay, That's the only okay. reason. Only reason. I'm. I'll let you say it. Okay. But Peter gets a Zune. Yeah. If anyone remembers what a Zune is, it's yeah. a knockoff version of an iPod. Um and three hundred songs. <laughs> and Sean Gunn gets the fin, the prototype yeah. fin, and the arrow. Um, and then and he plays he, the Cat he plays a, song. a Cat Stevens song, which is about growing up yeah and oh. you're just crying alone because it's a cat stevens song <laughs> okay go ahead. and then and then rocket is talking to quill and he goes his friends showed up when the ravager showed up and he goes and and chris pratt's like yeah yeah or star lord peter whatever 
And then uh, Rocket goes, even though he, even though he was a jerk to him all the time, and even though he stole batteries sometimes, because now he's talking about him, because him and Yondu are the same. And then Star Lord looks at him and he goes, "Of course." Oh, oh, what a payoff! Yeah. And then the movie's about to end, and it ends on a close-up shot of Rocket shedding a tear. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful movie. Yeah. About fathers, about um, about family. So great. Yeah. You have some post-credit scenes, most of them just funny goofs. You got the Adam Warlock scene, and uh, I don't think you have any like setting up of future stuff except no. for that one. You have uh, Jeff Goldblum dancing somewhere around in the credits. Which we didn't know he was in Thor at the time, yeah. Jordan and I, and we were like, was that Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, and I'm just, we're just like, I mean, it's Jeff Goldblum. Why couldn't he just want to be in the credits? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could if he wanted to, but then so, it made more sense. Yeah, it made more sense, like, uh, what, six what months later? What if he's in Guardians 3? That would be lovely. I would love that. He has to, He becomes a Guardian. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be funny, though, because him and Thor have a history. Yeah. Now. And Thor is potentially a guardian now. I know. If if he is not a guardian in the next movie, it's going to be like wrong. the biggest mistake of their life. Because no. that setup, and especially with them... Well, we'll get into that on Endgame. But the setup of them going off together is so great. Well, he, he fits the bill. He has lost everything. Yeah. And so has everyone else. And he gains a family. Like, he, he deserves... His character deserves to gain... A, I'm, I'm getting on a soapbox now. But he's got to be. Well, and I, I think with, even though this idea doesn't excite you and I too much, hopefully they can pull it off. But I think part of the idea of having um, the next Thor movie have, like I don't know how this with works, but Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman like becomes Thor or something like that. Or oh, like, that's interesting. Like wields the hammer. So I would imagine that part of it is like Thor needs to now be like out there. He needs to be exploring. He, he can't like, he needs to be a guardian for a time and like do this for a time. And so I think it's kind of like a mantle passing on like from Batman to Nightwing, like Thor to Natalie Portman. Maybe that's a, th- a thought I've been thinking about. Well, I just can't believe that they got her. I know. Cause she seemed like she, she didn't even show up. She didn't even do Endgame. She barely showed up for the two movies. She sucked. I know. And then in Endgame, they used reused, they used footage from, Unused uh, footage World. from Dark World. And then she did like a couple of voiceovers like for new lines. So I'm like, does she even like this? So we'll see how that works. Maybe yeah. maybe she'll have fun with Taiki. Um, yeah. But we're, this isn't Thor. This is Guardians. And speaking of Guardians, the news we have, James Gunn is directing it. James Gunn is writing it. And it's going to come out in 2022 or 2023. That's what everyone 22, 22, 22. is assuming. Um, but he has to finish Suicide Squad 2, which is about to begin filming, I believe. And it's supposed to come out next year, I think. Maybe 2021. Oh, he, here's my fun theory. And then theory. he'll work on this. Yeah, my fun theory. This is pre him getting back hired again for Guardians 3. But James Gunn got fired from Guardians or from Marvel because of tweets that he tweeted a very, like, year, like 10 years ago. 10 years before, pr- um, prior. So he gets fired for him. Most of the cast is like, I'm not going to do this movie unless James Gunn is doing it. Yeah. I'm, and which is crazy because it's going against their contract. Yeah. Um, so it was a big deal, huge controversy. People pay, taking out billboards in Hollywood basically to, to say, bring James Gunn back. Yeah. Um, and then he, he <laughs> goes from Marvel to DC to helm up 
the a movie about bad guys. Yeah, so he became a supervillain. A real life supervillain that and got I mean, I I am so over the moon that he's in Guardians 3 again, but wouldn't yeah. it have been funny if he didn't? Yeah. And then it's just he's a bad guy now? Yeah. So and funny. you know what's funny about him him being the one who is writing and directing Suicide Squad 2? He might be the only director that w- signed on to the that movie that I'm actually like, "Oh, I'm excited." I uh, me too. Like I will see the movie now. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean even even directors I really love just jumping into that like dismal like well, this franchise. Is, this like, is a lot about James. I still Gunn. wouldn't even like trust it. But with him, I'm like, I think he could actually crack it. And with that being said, Suicide Squad is one of our least favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's in the bottom two. Yeah. That and Justice League. They're the worst two movies I've ever seen. I'd rather watch The Room with um I'd rather watch The Room. Tommy Wiseau. Because it's at least fun to watch. Yeah. Um but yes, can't wait for Guardians Three. Uh, fun, those listeners, uh, tell us who your favorite guardian is. Yeah, put it in the comments of our iTunes. Yeah, I I want to know your favorite guardian and why. Don't just put the name. Tell me why. Yeah, but if you just write "I am Groot," that passes too. Yeah, that's true. That passes. Um, next week is Spider Man Homecoming, and I am on tour right now at this very moment. And look up the tour dates if you want to. Uh, I think right now I'm. I think we actually have an off day today, and then tomorrow's Bellingham. Oh, you have a great memory. I try, and uh, I have a new song out. It's called "The Dance," and it's everywhere. It's streaming everywhere. You gotta listen to it's it. A really great song. And uh, there's probably a lyric video out by now. So, ah. and I'm, I, it's not just like your run of the mill lyric video. Like I worked really hard on it, and I it's it, super freaking awesome. I'm really cool. excited about it. So, um, anyway. If you sport that way, too, that's awesome. So thank you for listening. Next week, we'll get into Spider-Man. I'm Groot. <laughs>